This is Matt Hurt, at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny, at Obsessive Tiny on Letterboxd. This is Ben Sears from TheMovieState.com. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. The Obsessive Viewer, where a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com, and if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, where you get access to tons of uh, exclusive content for Patreon supporters, such as... At the $1 level, you get over 150 B-roll episodes of us just kind of shooting the breeze and talking about random topics. Uh, That is instantly unlocked at the $1 per month level. If you pledge $2 per month, you get that plus TV and book reviews and reactions that I do. I just recently posted a very long, extensive uh, reaction recording to The Green Mile by Stephen King, and I've been doing uh, Stephen King short fiction collection, so I have about six hours worth of audio in January Alone just for Night Shift, his short story collection from the 70s. Uh, that's at the $2 a month level. And then at $5, you get all of that plus commentary tracks and immediate reviews and reactions to movies. Um, I've been doing these car recordings for movies that I see in theaters, so that's fun. And then finally, at the $10 a month level, you get all of that plus early access to content and previously unreleased content as well. Ooh, again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. I'm your aforementioned host, Matt Hurt, and with me today is Tiny and recurring co-host and creator of themoviestate.com, Ben Sears. How is it going, you guys? It's good, man. Wonderful. Nice. Nice. Um, Yeah, so today on the podcast, we are going to be uh, doing our 11th, I believe, um, Ebert's Great Movies List review section part um, thing. Uh for the podcast, we've been doing this for, uh, I think, like a year and a half now, maybe two years now, mm-hmm. um, kind of pre, pre-COVID, pre I think, or right at the onset of COVID. But um, this episode, we're going to be covering three movies. We're going to be doing Psycho, uh, Goldfinger, and Alien. Uh, but before we do that, uh, we've got some business to attend to. we got to talk about the Oscar nominees. And uh, Ben, I want to ask you how it's going at themoviestate.com. Uh, we're doing good, uh, still trucking along, uh, site is still live, hasn't been taken down by, uh, (laughs) the deep state yet. Nice. (laughs) Um, uh, so there's, uh, there isn't really a whole lot of new stuff coming out Mm. in February, but I've still got a bunch of stuff that I'll be posting. Um, I... I guess this was technically January, but I have been dipping my toes into the graphic novel review nice. world. Oh, cool. Um hoping to do some more of that in the next couple weeks. Um You gonna do mouse? Uh <laughs> Mouse. Yeah, I heard that kinda no. going around. Oh boy. There's a, a school district, I think, in Tennessee yeah. that banned mouse because it I don't know, teaches anti-Nazi propaganda. Oh, is that what that whole controversy is? Wow. (laughs) No, actually, uh, believe it or not, uh, my wife had not read it. And I guess I realized I have not read it either. But um, uh, she uh, just picked up the 
graphic novel version of it uh, mm -hmm. at the library today. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, on the website, uh, actually today I did this interview with this director of a documentary, a pretty interesting documentary called La List, uh, which is about these extreme skiers, oh. kind of in the vein of like free solo, that kind of thing mm -hmm. of these crazy people doing extreme sports. Um, so I'll have that posted hopefully by the time this episode comes out. Nice. Um, I'll do, uh, there's a, a Shonda Rhimes show on Netflix coming out this Friday, uh, that I'll hopefully have a review out for, um, called Inventing Anna, oh, which has, okay. yeah. uh, Anna Chlumsky and, Je uh, Julia Garner. Hmm. Um, and then coming soon, uh, we're doing a, a special feature featuring uh someone you guys may know yeah um <laughs> uh all about uh some guy named kurosawa yes akira uh, kurosawa uh matt if you wanna i don't know do you wanna give a little overview of it yeah i will go ahead and go on record because i am no oh, okay so i'm notorious for uh having big lofty ideas and then no follow-through um, <laughs> so um starting at the end of this month ben yeah um on the moviestate.com i am going to be contributing a total of 30 essays covering the work of akira kurosawa um dang yeah it is a project that i've been wanting to do and i've been working on it for the last couple of months basically each movie i'm going to do an essay about it <coughs> those will be like conventional reviews or my thoughts on it um but the kind of one of the things about it is that i'm going to kind of sort of loosely structure it after like a film festival programming so like, it's not going to be just a chronological breakdown of all of his movies. It's going to be like the opening and closing film is going to be like the opening film is Throne of Blood. And then the closing film will be Ron, uh, which are his two Shakespeare adaptations. And then I'm going to do a whole series of essays on his feudal Japan ones, uh, uh, his noir films, his post-war films, his early films. They're all going to be kind of grouped together. And this is kind of a project that I've wanted to do for a while. And it's something that I um, have been very interested in ever since I was a teenager, really. But um, it's a good excuse for me to finally fill all of those Kurosawa gaps because I do count him as one of, if not my favorite filmmaker of all time. And uh, there's stuff that I haven't seen from his from his work. And I just want to plug those gaps. And I will say spoiler for that. Uh, there is a movie that I watched for the first time that I rated five stars. It's it's incredible like wow from his from his filmography so so yeah so i'm excited for that and ben thank you so much for for hosting it over on on your site sure. um and then i think we're going to do uh companion podcast episodes so look forward to that in the coming weeks on obsessive viewer um but yeah i'm i'm excited about it yeah likewise cool yeah it'll nice. be exciting yeah, still I've, uh, need to name it, but <laughs> we'll figure that out. Uh, I yeah, I've uh, I've read through a couple of them so far, oh, and nice. they're they're all really great. So nice, uh, thank you. People, be on the lookout. You could call nice. it Kurasin it. Yeah, still got to come up with a name uh, for it. Kurosawa. But... <laughs> <laughs> Kurosawa. I hardly know. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, Ben had a really good idea for one called uh, "Blood and Rain," mm -hmm. um, mm. and I've been trying that. Like that, that's pretty good. 
Um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. You could call it Happier Valley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was trying to think of like a fun. I I don't know. Yeah. I I don't know. So we'll see. But I'm excited about it. I'm excited to have have a platform to uh you know share my thoughts on on Kurosawa as a as a 35 year old white man in America. <laughs> I think that I'm I'm the defining voice for this. <laughs> Uh, Japanese filmmaker. It's a perspective that it's been missing, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, so your guys' homework is to watch Throne of Blood. And in the coming weeks, we'll have an episode about that. And you'll get to read my essays as well. Hi. So yeah, yeah. Uh, was that's that? that's Jap- racist. Japanese. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Uh, uh, <sighs> no, yeah. it's not. No. Tiny, tiny, you're canceled. You're it's a canceled. celebration of Japanese culture. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, oh, and, uh, I also wanted to mention, Ben, that you have concluded your Disney, uh, straight to video, um, uh, sequel project for Midwest Film Journal. That's correct. Yes. It's all over but the crying. Uh, <laughs> it's all gonna be me crying. Nice. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's been a wild ride and, uh, Space Buddies was the final, wow. uh, final one, so... Check that out, Midwest Film Journal, where you can read them all. Yeah. Do you have any other like projects coming up over there, or are you like settling down? Into- um, I'm waiting for my brain cells to regenerate. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then we'll 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 see. Yeah. Nothing um, planned as of yet, but okay. Uh, you never know. Hmm. Inspiration may strike again. Yeah. I would I would pitch that you do like an entire series of essays on every movie that's referenced in like space jam two, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> which have you seen that yet? I haven't, but I know oh, that it's man. ridiculous. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Tiny, when are you going to do a review series of, of uh direct to DVD sequels of, of something? <laughs> um, a few months from never. Oh, okay. Good. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Space Jam oh. 2, that's is that the new one with LeBron James? Okay. It sure is. I haven't watched it yet either. Yeah. Yeah. It's on HBO Max. All I know um, is Lola Bunny's not sexy anymore, so yeah. I have no reason yeah. to watch it. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> I kid. I kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that so that's what we've got going on uh here. Uh, how like what uh, what's new with you guys and and your lives and everything? How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. good. It was a little chilly this morning. Yeah. My furnace crapped out overnight. Mm-hmm. It's very chilly this morning, but it's working now. Nice, nice. So it was a stressful day because of that. But. Mm. And Ben, you had to wake up early to break his furnace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, I <clears throat> to pay off a thing from a couple of episodes ago. Uh, no one died in my building that I'm aware of. Uh, um, we have had questions about that, but I am moving, uh, because this complex sucks, but, uh, I won't get into all that, but I am moving as of March 24th. I'm going to be moving to the North side of Indianapolis, which is exciting and scary and exciting. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that should be interesting. I'm, uh, still figuring out how we're going to finagle the podcasting and everything, but, yeah. uh, it'll, it'll 
it'll all work out. It always does. Yeah. So, yeah. Be yeah. honest. Did your choice of apartment have to uh, do with the acoustics? Uh, uh, to be <laughs> honest, no. <laughs> uh, I, this, I haven't seen the unit itself yet <laughs> uh, because it's still being rented out. But uh, but yeah, no, um, I think it'll be good. I, I think it'll be good. It'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm 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 excited. What one of my excited things that I'm going to do um is I'm going to uh compile all of my stats. I'm going to when I move out, I'm going to have not a full list because that's obscene, but I'm going to have a number of all the movies the the amount of movies I've watched in this apartment since I moved in 7 years ago. Of course you are. Yeah, so I'm excited for that. I've <laughs> kind of taken a peek at it and I have a number in my head that is that is around where it is now and I've got a month and a month and a half to to crank some out, which by the way, I don't want to I don't want to jinx anything, but judging from the movie watching that I've done in January and February, if I keep this momentum going, this will be a record breaking year for me and possibly for the podcast. Dang. Uh, yeah, I am up to this is February 8th. I'm up to, I think, 51 movies. Watched. Jeez. Um, yeah. So I think I'm at like yeah. six. <laughs> nice. uh ben you're notorious for for watching a lot of movies as well uh where are you at do you know um no i don't know but uh vamp for me and okay I, and i might find out um um yeah i, I well, to be honest i did kind of peek at your at your stuff and um that's why i felt comfortable <laughs> asking you um unless you've watched like a ton of stuff uh letterbox says 34 oh that's that's not bad Okay. It's pretty good. You know, uh I've I've actually I've kind of made a a concentrated effort to watch a little bit less okay. uh this year just cuz like at the end of last year I just started to get really just burnt Burn out. out. Yeah. Um, plus I've been watching a little bit more TV mm-hmm. uh this year so far nice. as opposed to last year. So that's part of it. Nice. Um, oh, and I should ask this also, um, Ben. You, the, you, uh, we went through the first um, Indiana Film Journalists Association meeting mm-hmm. that you were a part of for the first time you were a part of it. Uh, just kind of a brief run. Like, how did you feel about it? How did you feel about you know cramming for all the awards and everything? And how did you feel about the the first year in the IFJA? I think it went pretty well. Um, it was it all went very smoothly i didn't really know what to expect since you know i i had never participated in anything like it before mm-hmm. so um but it was it was really fun it was a good nice. conversation um although at the end of the day all of my picks didn't win so yeah. i'm very angry <laughs> about that and i'm sure. quitting the ifja <laughs> um but uh yeah it, it was it was really great i'm pretty happy with all the winners and mm-hmm. um lots of uh uh diversity amongst yeah. them so um yeah yeah nice well i'm looking forward to uh many more years uh with the ifj and everything tiny did you see the winners or anything i think i did i can't yeah. remember it's been a couple months yeah so it's fine it's been a little yeah. while yeah um speaking of winners that's a terrible segue. Uh, today, the uh, nominees for the uh, 2022 Academy Awards were announced. Um, 
And before we get into our Ebert's Great Movies list review um, for these three movies this this uh, in this installment, I do want to just kind of briefly touch on the uh, Academy Award nominations and kind of get a read on how we all felt about it and everything. I myself, I didn't watch like the presentation or anything, um, but I did kind of check in as they were being announced and... I've I've just been on such a steady decline over the years. Like I don't care enough to like do any kind of Oscar prognostications or anything prognosticating. Um and I, I that's kind of a level of of moviedom that I don't really I'm getting farther and farther away from. Um having said that, I will proudly say that I have watched all 10 of the uh, nominees for best picture and uh I am I'm very curious what will happen if Don't Look Up wins, because I hope it doesn't, because it's such a <laughs> dumb, dumb, dumb movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What did you guys think of the the nominations? Pretty good, yeah. I, I'm still a fan of the uh, 10 nominees mm-hmm. for uh, Best Picture. I think that was a smart move on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of work to do, because I've only yeah. seen... Four of the t- ten nominees. Oh, okay. Which so, four? Uh, I have seen Nightmare Alley, Don't Look Up, Dune, and The Power of the Dog. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I didn't know that you saw Don't Look Up. I did. Yeah. I watched it uh, Yeah, last month. Okay. I didn't hate it as much as most people. Yeah. I, 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 I laughed at quite a bit of it, actually. Mm-hmm. But conceptually, it was mm-hmm. just yeah. so off the mark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I didn't like it. Um yeah. no. Yeah. No. I thought it was terrible. Um Ben you sent a text that was like did you say best editing nomination for Don't Look Up with a with a puke emoji, I think. Yeah, that <laughs> sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah. I I would really like if there's any movie or film editors out there mm. uh that would be willing to have a conversation with me about it, <laughs> just please reach out to me because mm. I legit do not understand that nomination. Yeah, me it's either. insane and yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, they worked really hard to edit that entire Ariana Grande performance <laughs> mm, in the yeah, movie. Right. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I, movie. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's dumb, but yeah. overall, I, I think I'm pretty happy with all the nominees. Um, the one, uh, the, two or three that I think I was the happiest about was um, uh, Penelope Cruz for Best Actress mm-hmm. uh, for Parallel Mothers. Um, I still haven't seen that. I really loved it. Okay. Um, uh, and granted, it may be because I haven't seen a ton of Almodovar movies, mm-hmm. but um, I, I really loved it. I think she was really great. She might... Uh, Maybe my second favorite performance of 2021. Oh, wow. Um, oh, overall performance. I think so. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, uh, I'll, I'll have to look a little bit closer, mm-hmm. but what's yeah. number one? Did you say it was top two? Probably Alana Heim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. was great. And I kind of got my hopes up that she would get nominated as well, but yeah. uh, I, that was kind of a long shot. Yeah, um, yeah. But the other nomination that I'm really happy about was uh, Tragedy of Macbeth for production design. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. That was, I I, I kind of didn't think that that would happen, but um, yeah, 
uh i i love the production design in that yeah it looked freaking gorgeous mm-hmm. um yeah yeah um a couple of big snubs that i found in the nominees is that uh come on come on got nothing um yeah, right which yeah. bothers me because i feel like um oh, what was the kid's name norman? woody norman woody norman um like i don't know i feel like they they nominated two supporting actors for power of the dog like throw one mm-hmm. to the kid yeah um in that movie but that got snubbed and then mass got nothing which was a bummer because that was my my top movie of last year i don't know the that's why i don't like doing the you know oscar prognosticating or anything because i don't know what is being submitted like that song from encanto that's getting a lot of play on tiktok and stuff didn't get a nomination because disney didn't didn't submit it for a nomination right so i don't know what i don't know what the wheels were turning for like mass or come on come on yeah um so yeah but i don't know um there are 13 movies with nominations that i have not seen so i'm going to try to watch as many of those as i can um yeah i saw online that uh, the Twitterverse went berserk because Lady <laughs> Lady Gaga did not get nominated. Wow. Yeah. Which I don't know. I've talked about this a lot, but I like I and this could segue into like a brief news thing real quick. But um, I feel like there is a segment of Twitter and social media that are it's it's my problem with fandom that you make your fandom of something into a personality like a one specific thing so like i just imagine like you know the the lady gaga stands going nuts and like like writing or whatever <laughs> in social media form and uh i'm just like okay it's you, it's you're just because your world world revolves around one person or one figure does not mean the entire world has to yeah yeah. That so, whole movie yeah. was over the top, including her. That's what I've heard. So. I I've only gotten like 15 minutes into it. I tried watching it and then I turned it <laughs> off. It's um, not laughably bad, but mm. it's just it's over the top. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I thought that she would get nominated for mm-hmm. sure. Um so it is pretty surprising, but not terribly surprising yeah. when you think about it. But yeah. I don't know. I don't want to dive too deep into it. I will hold my fingers that we'll still do a nominee rundown at some point episode. Uh, I doubt it, honestly. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I'm just so burnt out on the idea of awards. <laughs> Me too. Really. I've, I've lost so much enthusiasm for awards. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really a bummer. Yeah. Um, so sorry. Um, maybe I'll just record my solo episode. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but I think, I don't think you guys have to worry about uh, uh, Don't Look Up winning Best Picture because oh, I'm yeah. pretty positive it's going to be Power of the Dog. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 I would say it's either Power of the Dog or Belfast. Um, I would have said that too, but they're not to get too in the weeds with mm-hmm. it, but uh, Belfast didn't have the nominations that I thought it would. Oh, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think if Power of the Dog doesn't win it, believe it or not, I think it might be Dune. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. Wow, huh? Um, how many Best Picture winners have there been without a Best Director nominee? Do you know off the top of your head? Um, not too many. Okay, yeah, it's it's pretty rare. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know the last one I think was uh, Argo. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Hmm. Um, I was. I'd... 
gotta say, I just re- I was really stoked for um, Andrew Garfield as well. Oh yeah, getting a nominee, yeah, a nomination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was I, great. I, I saw that movie and I liked it a lot. And yeah. uh, I've just been a huge fan of his for a long time. And mm-hmm. I always thought he would be an Oscar nominee someday. Yeah. So here we are. I'm excited. So yeah, I, I don't he was know. Good in that. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that movie would have gotten maybe one or two nominations, but yeah. you know, I think that was probably as good as it was going to get. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think. I think the best part of the movie got nominated. Yeah, um, <laughs> I agree. I agree too. I I wasn't over the moon about that movie really. Yeah. I the the music I I don't mm. remember any of the music from oh, that movie. Yeah. I mean, I remember a couple no, of songs and that's it. No offense. I mean, I yeah. just I I wasn't really into the music. Um hmm. speaking of music and Tick Tick Boom, uh Lynn Manuel Miranda is an Oscar away from an EGOT. Oh. Right? Does he is have he? an Emmy? I can't imagine he has an Emmy. Has I he done a lot know. of television? Uh, that's I, a good question because I thought that it. I know he's that. one away from the EGOT. I don't know. Oh, he's actually. Oh yeah, then it's definitely. Uh, he doesn't have an Oscar, <laughs> right? So oh, I guess he does have an Emmy. That's amazing. no, no, he does have an Emmy because uh, Hamilton won the. Uh, that's right. The recorded uh, uh, thing. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's, that's interesting. Um, cause he's, he's nominated for, uh, Encanto. Okay. Right. Yes. He has a song nomination. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'd say so, he's damn near shoeing for any God then. <laughs> yeah. Um, Someday. he, yeah. Oh, yeah. he would actually be one of the, I think I saw this one of three people to get a P-Got, which is an E-Got plus oh. a Pulitzer Prize. Oh, oh. dang. Mm-hmm. Dang. That's awesome. Wow. Um, the thing that I was going to transition into about, um, <laughs> that is really briefly, if you, are we done with Oscar talk? I'm Anything good. Else? Yeah, I'm good. Anything? Technically no, but okay. go ahead. Sure. So, uh, it was announced the other day, speaking of Twitter stands and, uh, fandom and everything, it was announced that there is a, uh, biopic being made about Michael Jackson. Um, <laughs> And I think it's going to be called Michael. Um, and yeah, there was a lot of uh, stuff online about it. There's like a, also a Broadway show um, about Michael Jackson. And like the thing that I'm going to get on my soapbox about just a little bit is that if you tweet anything about Michael Jackson and the allegations against Michael Jackson or about leaving Neverland, anything your Twitter will be assaulted by Michael Jackson stands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's weird. Like Rain Wilson tweeted about the Michael Jackson Broadway musical. And all he said was like, can someone please like, or honestly explain to me like why Michael Jackson has a, has a musical on Broadway. Like, like I'm genuinely curious. And then like every, like like if you go to like the quote tweets and the replies, it's like, oh, you're a has been, you are on one show and, and you're not even the funniest part of it. And then like, oh, this is coming from the same person that tweeted this 12 years ago, or this, this offensive joke or something. It's like, <laughs> it is, it's weird. It's so weird. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Hmm. It's weird. Um, um, wow. no, I, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird when, fans of something become so they literally idealize that thing or they they um get completely up their ass about it right it's weird rose colored glasses yeah yeah Hmm. 
Trump 2024. <laughs> um, same thing. I still see trucks with stupid Trump flags. Oh, yeah. It's, and, it's not going anywhere. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, yeah. So how do you guys feel about the Michael Jackson biopic? Are you guys going to see it? Uh, are you the type of people who would boycott it because of the allegations or see it or boycott it because it's a freaking music biopic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably that last one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember the last one of those that I saw that I liked. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw when I saw Rocket Man, I was like, what's the point of this? <laughs> Literally this entire genre. Uh-huh. Like, I can't like I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big boycotter in general. OK. So uh, but I. The, the detail from Leaving Neverland mm-hmm. that was explored in that documentary, I can't I can't separate um, the, <laughs> that man's actions from his art anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't like it's hard. I mean, I still I, I'm not going to dislike Michael Jackson music, but mm-hmm. um, I, I can't celebrate the guy anymore. I just uh, just can't do it. So uh, but I'll, I'll probably see the movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I like still I said, need to watch that uh, that documentary. It is hard. Yeah, uh-huh. it's it's rough. Um, but I I will say this: you tweet one thing about it, you'll get a link to a very weirdly obscure, uh, independently produced documentary that apparently spells out everything about how he's innocent. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, that 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 documentary is so haunting that mm-hmm. it's hard. It's it's difficult to celebrate even that man's immense talent. Like yeah. he was immensely oh, yeah. talented without question, but it's, it's just difficult anymore. Um, but I'm not, I'm just not a boycotter. I'm not mm-hmm. a, I'm not going to be up in arms that somebody's making a movie about him. Yeah. I'm just not that kind of person. Really. Yeah. To be fair, I don't like, I don't think it, like, I don't think it shouldn't be made or anything. Right. Like, if you want to make a movie, make a freaking movie. Yeah. I'm not probably not going to bother seeing it because it's not something I'm interested in seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and music biopics suck. Um, uh, I don't yeah. mind them. Huh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I kind of dug Rocket Man. Oh, okay. I, I'm not gonna defend it. Sure. Um, I don't know. I guess they work for me. Mm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I yeah. see, uh, was it that or something else that's gonna be written by the person that did Bohemian Rhapsody? Uh, it, it might be that. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, speaking of editing, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> that one scene that was circulating around, and it won Best Editing. It sure um, did. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, do we have anything else to say about the Oscars or uh, pedophilia allegations? Oh, <laughs> um, you had said you have, what, 13 to watch still yes 13 okay i have seven. Oh, nice um and i think i'll be last year i was was the first year where i was able to watch all of them nice shorts and features oh nice oh and, i did not include shorts yeah by the way i haven't seen any of those either mm-hmm. um but uh yeah all i'm i'm pretty sure i should be able to watch all of them nice. again this year mm. yeah nice. i have 73 <laughs> i have not it's too many to count yeah yeah, um, it's funny because like the thirteen that I have, it's not like I'm not really in that much of a hurry to see them. Like, I I've seen all the best picture nominees, so that's I'm good there. Um, but yeah, I mean I'm gonna see Encanto, Flea, um, and uh, Free Guy. I'm curious 
you have a screener for Lost Person in the World. Yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, curious to see that. your thoughts on that. Yeah. I've heard a lot of really good things about it. So I'll definitely have to watch that one too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That one in Cantu. Um, yeah. So we'll report back on that, I'm sure. Um, do you guys want to get into our Ebert's Great Movies list? Yep. Yeah? Okay. Sounds good. All right. And before we do that, Ben, just plug your site one more time. Themoviestate.com. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, we are going to go ahead and uh, go into our Ebert's Great Movies list review, which um, basically Ebert had uh, over 300 uh, movies that he wrote essays for uh, under the banner of Great Movies. Um, I'm going to hopefully dig up and play the... Uh, the music here um the little uh thing that we do here so uh here we go no name is more synonymous with film criticism than roger eberts even now my voice is reaching millions throughout the world millions of despairing men women and children people say do film critics have too much power to those who can hear me i say do not despair we can help a movie we can help a movie by sharing our enthusiasm we can't necessarily hurt a movie that is destined to be a big hit anyway. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. And then Roger Ebert gets up. What I uh, find very offensive and condescending about your statement is nobody would say to a bunch of white filmmakers, how could you do this to your people? Let us all unite! All right. In Ebert's Great Movies, uh, there's a quote that's attributed to Roger Ebert that I'm going to go ahead and read. Uh, One of the gifts a movie lover can give another is the title of a wonderful film they have not yet discovered. Here are more than 300 reconsiderations and appreciations of movies from the distant past to the recent past, all of movies that I consider worthy of being called great. Um, And the concept for these episodes are that we each select a single movie from Roger Ebert's Great Movies list, and then we review and discuss them in a special series of podcast episodes. We have previously done uh, movies like, oh, uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey and uh, Cleo from 5 to 7. Um, uh, um, Duck Soup. Duck Soup, which is going to be at uh, the Arcraft at some point this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Shit. should say that. The Artcraft Theater, they had their sponsorship party, which the Artcraft Theater is a movie theater um, in Franklin, Indiana. It's really it's it's amazing. It's like the Majestic, um, which is going to be playing at, at <laughs> the Artcraft. But basically what they do is they have like seasons where they run like each week they play a movie and it's only on the weekends and everything. And they have a sponsorship fundraiser party each year where they have, they show like, they say like what they're going to show that season and then local like businesses and merchants and people, uh, bid to sponsor those screenings so that they can facilitate that. So what they did was they released, they haven't released the schedule or anything because the sponsorship needs to be done and everything. But, um, they released a video that showed all of the like clips of all the movies that they're going to be showing. And off the top of my head, the one that really stood out to me was Scream, which I'm super excited about because I have never seen the first Scream movie in, in a movie theater. Hmm. So I'm definitely going to make a trip out for that. Hmm. Um, and then they're going to show 2001, a space odyssey, um, which I'm very, (laughs) Like, this is really weird and random, but it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I was browsing my letterbox, and I basically I figured out that 2001 A Space Odyssey, I've seen countless times. But since 2013, I have seen it five times, I think. 
each one of those five times has been in a movie theater. <laughs> like I've not watched it like on home video or anything. I've only watched it in a movie theater since 2013. So I'm gonna hopefully keep this streak alive with with when it's at the Artcraft. But they're also gonna be showing Duck Soup, um, the original 310 to Yuma, um, the original Cape Fear. Um, oh, I can't remember the Craft. Uh, the Sandlot, and then their usual movie, the Christmas movies, White Christmas and Christmas Vacation and Elf. Um, mm. But yeah, but look at the Artcraft website and follow them on Facebook and everything because I'm sure they'll announce their schedule and everything. But um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Hell yeah. 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 Sweet. Yeah. So uh, we've previously done Duck Soup and um, uh, Paths of Glory and a bunch of movies. Check the website. Um and uh, yeah, today, tonight, we are going to be talking about three movies that we selected eons ago. Um, eons ago. Huh, Bond. Um, uh, we're going to be talking about Psycho, Goldfinger, and Alien. And uh, as we usually do, we're going to go in chronological order uh, from release date. So the first one is Psycho. Um, do you guys have anything to say about Roger Ebert's great movies or the the project before we get into Psycho? They're great. Nice. <laughs> They're great. <laughs> They're movies. Um, <laughs> uh, nice. So, yeah. So, let's go ahead and talk about Psycho. Um, this was my pick for... Right? right? Yeah. It was my pick <laughs> when we last did this episode and uh, or this series. And I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer before we get into our discussion of Psycho. Here we have a quiet little motel, when in fact it has now become known as the scene of the crime. You have a vacancy? Oh, we have 12 vacancies. You know this is the first place that looks like it's hiding from the world? I think that we're all in our private traps, clamped in them. And none of us can ever get out. So, Psycho is directed by Alfred Hitchcock. It was released in 1960, and per the Letterboxd uh, 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 plot summary, um, when larcenous real estate clerk Marion Crane goes on the lam with a wad of cash in hopes of starting a new life, she ends up at the notorious Bates Motel, where manager Norman Bates cares for his housebound mother. The place seems fairly quirky, but fine until Marion decides to take a shower. Um, so I picked this movie because when we last did this, it was like September um, and we wanted to do um, one in October. But then everything, the world, every, you know, I just didn't have time. But uh, but yeah, we're back with Psycho. Um, so Psycho um, is a movie that I cherish a lot. Like I have seen it a lot. I love it a lot. And um, it's it's amazing. Uh, so what did you guys think of Psycho? <laughs> um, <laughs> and what's your guys' history with Psycho? Yeah. Have you, have you seen it before, Ben? Yes. Mm. Okay. You had seen it before. Yeah. Um, I thought that I had seen it all before, but I believe the first time that I saw it in full was just a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, I know that I had seen bits and pieces of it. And obviously, you know, it's so ubiquitous that mm -hmm. I had seen uh, ripoffs and imitations of it yeah. and, you know, clips from it everywhere, pretty much. Um, but 
Yeah, I I love it as well. I think until we did the uh, the Ebert's great uh, great movies episode about uh, Vertigo, mm. um, I considered this one to be my favorite Hitchcock movie. But nice. now I think it's still Vertigo. Um, but nice. Yeah, this one is just iconic, just across the board. Nice. Yeah, Tiny. What's your history with Psycho? I um, it's funny. For years, my dad, uh, my dad is a goofball. Huh. And he, I'm so glad you didn't say psycho. <laughs> no, well, he in his own way. Uh, he's a big goofball, and mm-hmm. as a kid, my dad, anytime he like took a knife out of the knife block in the kitchen, and we were in there, he would like hold it in a stabbing motion and go re 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 <laughs> like that. And as a kid, for years and years, I never got the reference. Mm. Until he finally told us, he's like, "Yeah, it's from this Hitchcock movie." And I was like, wow. "Who's Albert Hitchcock?" And he told or Alfred Hitchcock, mm-hmm. and he told us uh, about this movie. And I think we watched it when I was like, probably like twelve. Wow, which mm-hmm. was a little early, probably mm-hmm. not because of the themes. I don't think, but just because it's a little, it's a sophisticated movie. I think, yeah. Um, and so I remember seeing it th- that young and thinking it was really cool, and I wanted to see it again, and like some of the things that stuck with me weren't like the shower scene and it mm-hmm. wasn't, um, it wasn't some of the iconic stuff. It was uh, really Anthony Perkins's performance. I mean, yeah. it, it stuck with me. That's, and just his, uh, his mannerisms and the, the journey that he goes on in the movie really stuck with me even as like a 12 year old, but, uh, I've seen it a handful of times since then. Um, and I just, I, I fully adore it for the masterpiece that it is in in yes. so many ways. Um it has so many um nuanced, masterful things about it. Like it's not just one thing. I think everybody not everybody, but it's very easy to like focus on the shower scene and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh rightfully so. But I there's there's so much more to the movie mm-hmm. to me. Like I think there's there, there there's so many things to discuss about it that uh that make it um a one of a kind movie. Yeah, absolutely. Or at least the first of its kind. Right. You know. It um it is kind of a kind of proto slasher kind of movie, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um when Mike and I recorded a commentary track for Scream 96, um he had mentioned like he he referred to um the kind of like uh, the idea of um What's uh, uh, the the generational slashers of Psycho, uh, Psycho being the grandfather, Halloween being the father, and Scream being the the child, huh. um, <laughs> and like I can absolutely see that uh, that influence and in everything, and um, it's it's just something that I I'm more aware of the influence of Psycho on the world um, on, on Hollywood and on horror filmmaking um, over the decades. And when I rewatched it this time, it's funny. I, I do have an anecdote because I rewatched it and tiny. I, I know that you are fond of waking up early and having what you have dubbed tiny time. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I had my own tiny time <laughs> um, against my will. Um, like Monday I woke up, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I asked my um, my voice-activated 
uh, servant uh, what time it was. <laughs> and uh, she said, uh, it is 3.45 a.m. And I'm thinking like, oh, I have like an hour and a half or like two hours to sleep. Awesome. <laughs> and then I could not go back to sleep. So I just came out here, parked on the couch, watched Psycho, made coffee. <laughs> um do not recommend doing that again for me <laughs> because I was dragging ass the entire day. Yeah. It was awful. I don't um, get up at 345. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that you probably go to sleep early enough to wake up early enough. Yeah. I went to bed at like 11. Um, yeah. So yeah, yep. it was rough. But I will say that this was one of my more rewarding experiences rewatching Psycho because I've watched it several times. I've logged it on Letterboxd nine times. Since and that dates back to 20, 2007, so I've seen it. I've seen it several times, and and several times before then. But watching it this time, like I was just really keyed into a lot of different little things. And previous to that, I had watched the documentary um, 5870 or seventy eight fifty two. Um, I believe that that's what it's called. Uh, yes, it's called seventy eight fifty two. It's a documentary all about the shower scene. It's okay. Um, what are those numbers a reference to? It is a reference to um, the film having seventy-eight shots and fifty-two cuts in the in oh. that in that scene. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yes. Yeah. Or I might have that uh, reverse. Hang on. It's um seventy-eight shots and fifty-two cuts that changed cinema forever. Huh. Um. Yeah, the most famous murder scene in movie history comprises 78 camera settings and 52 cuts. Shower scene in Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Uh, 7852 tells the story of the man behind the curtain and his greatest obsession. Um, This documentary is available to stream on Hulu. um, And it was fine. It was it was kind of a cool like love fest for it. But something I found interesting about it also, and I'll get into back into the movie, is that it really made me think about the legacy of Psycho. Um, I have not seen any of the sequels, but just thinking about how Psycho not only influenced the genre and everything, but it had sequels. It had um, a shot-for-shot remake, which I haven't seen, but I've heard terrible things about. <laughs> but it's an interesting experiment. It also had Bates Motel, um, and and it's something that just it, it lives on, I think, um, uniquely. But um, re-watching it this time, I was really fascinated by the kind of energy of, I don't want to say, cause this is overused and everything, but the male gaze in it. Um, Marion Crane is, is in a relationship and she's like, she steals the money to kind of run away with, with Sam, her boyfriend. Um, and like throughout the, like she's in the movie for 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout those 45 minutes, she is, leered at or she is she is kind of she's kind of um how did i phrase it on letterbox she's kind of like constantly under the microscope from men um yeah uh okay so uh this from my letterbox review i love how her entire arc plays out and how there's such a focused presence of men intimidating or questioning her in some capacity yet it's norman the soft-spoken mama's boy who's the threat to her um and like it's interesting because like you have the 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 kind of oil guy who is uh talking talking to her um in the office and kind of flirting with her and everything and then you have her boss seeing her on the street you see that you have the cop you have the used car salesman that's kind of like giving her a side eye like well like what it, like what trouble are you going to bring me and everything 
Um, and then you get to Bates Motel and then you have Norman who is actually speaking to her as a human being and having mm-hmm. a conversation and, and dinner and everything. And then he's the one that, you know, uh, brings about her doom. And so I just found that pretty interesting. Um, and on that similar note, um, just the idea of the rain, because like she's going to, she's driving and then the rain starts. And then when she, like the rain kind of drives her to Bates Motel, it's just, it's such an interesting just arc for her. Cause it's mm-hmm. like the rain, it's like the universe is pushing her into this trap where she's going to be murdered. <laughs> uh, because as soon as she checks in, the rain's gone. And then through her conversation with who would be, you know, the instrument of her death, um, she comes around to it. She's like, I need to go back. I need to, I need to, you know, face the consequences and everything. And then it's too late. It's just, it's such an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. What did you guys think of the first 45 minutes <laughs> of Psycho? Um, I, I had never thought of the whole, uh, male gaze thing, the whole perspective. That's really clever. Um, just like a man. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Um, it, in my defense, it's been a long time since I've seen this, but, oh, yeah. uh, um, another very cool aspect of the movie is it's, it's kind of a, a genre swap because yeah. the first 30 plus minutes, 40 mm-hmm. minutes up until the shower scene feels like. A th- like a thriller mm-hmm. type thing and mm-hmm. like oh it's about this woman who stole this money and then at the drop of a hat it completely changes gears into a straight up horror movie yeah when she gets killed it's it's really amazing and i you know i don't know i don't know if it's accurate to say a movie had never done that before mm. but it's so uncommon yeah. but it's so seamless in this movie mm-hmm. it's it's really fascinating uh to, to see how quickly that that change can be so seamless. It's just, yeah. it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the cooler parts of the movie. Um, uh, there was something else I was going to say too. I forgot mm. what I was going to say, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that is what uh, blew me away. I remember the first time that I watched it. Um, and I remember hearing uh, something about this was like, Hitchcock wanted to challenge himself when he made this. Mm-hmm. And so he used, I think, his TV crew from his TV show oh, nice. to make it. And so they had a much smaller budget than mm-hmm. his previous movies. And so it's it's just crazy how you can challenge yourself and make, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah. Um, it's such a groundbreaking movie in those ways. And it, I, I think... Not to speculate too much, but I feel like if if he would have had a bigger budget or a more mm-hmm. extensive, you know, bombastic kind of crew, um, then it, it would have just been a totally different movie. It would have mm, lost know? some subtlety, I think. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, one of the other things I was going to mention is um, it's at least the first 40, 40 some minutes are um undeniably like it's it's like a sexy movie like yeah um because uh janet lee is just mm. i mean it's her her attractiveness is played up in the movie yeah. and it's it's very it's interesting to look at it through the lens of when it came out because mm-hmm. to us our generation it's not nothing about it is shocking right i mean yeah. but like in 1960 the opening scene a woman on a bed in her bra yeah like that had to be like whoa what kind of movie is this you yeah. know and it's 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 the the generational divide is uh is is pretty noticeable and it's mm-hmm. it's something that i wonder if 
you know, like the, again, the three of us, the generation that we come from, if we can mm-hmm. even appreciate that yeah. about how this movie probably could have been like boycotted, mm-hmm. you know, uh, extensively because of that. But I think the fact that it's just so damn good, yeah, that kind of slipped <laughs> under, you know, I mean, she's practically, um, you can like almost see some nudity in the shower scene if if you got a really quick pause finger and you Mm. really want to you really want to see that i mean if that's something you're really interested (laughs) in i'm sure there were plenty of uh teenage boys throughout Mm. you know the with their vhs copies and dvd copies trying to pause it at the exact right time but that's you know it i don't know it's it's one of those things where it's like um it's it's hard it's hard to grade it on a scale or Mm -hmm. judge it on a scale um because we it's hard for us to have that we don't have that 1960 mindset, right? Yeah. But but it's I still think it's something that I feel like there's a tone. There's a tone mm-hmm. in the first 45 minutes, like this is a sexy thriller. Yeah. And then again, the way it's the way it, it switches is is really remarkable. But you mm-hmm. you you totally again, you know, we're three generations removed from this yeah. movie, but we still pick up on that sexy mm-hmm. tone, that sexy thriller tone in the first 45 minutes of it. Plus. Yeah. Plus, isn't her boyfriend like? Isn't he married or engaged he, or something? He's divorced. Oh, okay. He's been right. Previously yeah. married. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they have to. It's kind of implied that they have to sneak around because right. they can't like date. Like they can't. They can't like be amorous in public or anything yeah. because they're not married. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which I think is more just a sign of the time and everything. But what's interesting is that one of the first things that's pointed out in that documentary is that <laughs> the opening scene is them in bed post coitus. Yeah. And his pre- Alfred Hitchcock's previous movie was North by Northwest, which oh. <laughs> literally ends on like a metaphor of sex, like the train going into the tunnel. Um, and it's just really interesting that the very next thing that he does is opening with postcoital uh, sex scene. And also, um, not to get all Mike on here, but the influence of Psycho on the slasher genre is also. Uh, relevant also because because yes this is a this is a woman who has like is having sexual intercourse with her with her boyfriend and everything she is she is an eye of affection and um and attraction to different people and like norman is even he is someone who has these just really messed up kind of um sheltered ideas and everything because like at the end of the movie light spoilers they talk about how like oh you have any missing cases missing persons cases and it's always like you know yeah they're like uh anytime he would see like young lovers or something he would go after them um because he felt either shame or he felt like he they they were to be punished for that and that is like the prototype for the slasher genre and the kind of uh, the sex appeal of the characters in slasher movies all the way up to scream revitalizing it with the whole you know you uh don't have sex you can never have sex mm-hmm. uh that's how you survive a horror movie um so it's just really interesting to see how that kind of ebbs and flows throughout the throughout the decades yeah um but yeah but after the shower scene also Got to point out, first time, uh, I believe it's the first time a toilet is flushed in a movie. Um, <laughs> I feel like yeah. I heard that once. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. That's funny. Yeah. Um, but after that, the movie transitions into a detective story. Right. Um, 
And I really like that. I really like the three, the three characters kind of coming together, trying to solve, like trying to find Marion. And I love, I've, I am an unabashed fan of Martin Balsam. I mean, he's amazing. Mm, yeah. Um, and him as Arbogast is just a delight. Mm. And Anthony Perkins is amazing, especially in the scene with, with Marion. And then each interaction that he has with he has an interaction with Marion. It's kind of unsettling, but it's very, it's like, it's safe until it's not safe. And then when he has the conversation with, with Arbogast, it's a little bit more, he's, he's a little more muddled and he's a little more like, he's not as charming. And then when he has a conversation with Sam at the end of the movie, it's like, it's more of an interrogation and it's more, he's backed against the wall and everything. And it's just, it's really cool to see Anthony Perkins just adjust that performance throughout the movie. Totally. Um, yeah. What mm-hmm. did you guys think of the the rest of the movie? And then we can go on to Goldfinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of uh, insane how like it, very few movies could pull it off where they introduce completely new characters mm-hmm. that late into a movie and still keep you interested. And yeah. uh, it it just totally works here. Mm-hmm. Um, you have you have the uh the family connection so that that helps you know mm-hmm. uh you that helps you uh gain their sympathy um but it's it's just another revolutionary thing with this yeah to just totally introduce new people mm-hmm. um i wonder if i wonder if this is kind of this movie is like one of the first times that the concept of like multiple personality disorder is like or uh, whatever disassociative identity mm. disorder, whatever mm-hmm. it's called now, or whatever the equivalent of that is now. Yeah. I, I I don't know, but I don't know either. It's it's got to be the first yeah. time it was popularized, mm-hmm. like mainstream. I think uh, so. Also told, um, but it's it's become unfortunately overused, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's a little um, it's very tired now. Yeah. Um, but it's it's uh, it's really interesting that in 1960 that amount of psychology was mm. so so well laid out at the end of the movie yeah. and and it's and it's interesting cuz all of the characters at the end are like wow really mm. that's what's going on this guy invented he, he assumed his mother's identity on mm. on a subconscious level and they compete to occupy his that's crazy and like nowadays we'd all be like oh yeah disassociative identity disorder or like you know multiple personalities or yeah sure okay mm-hmm. like it's not it wouldn't be a surprising thing for us uh it's it's interesting to see it laid out so bluntly in the yeah. movie and also psychology was not even the concept of psychology mm-hmm. was not a widely accepted thing but we have this very astute psychologist at the end of the movie um laying out all these things for us yeah um it's it's really um and it's also not um it's it's well done. It's not like um, it's not like a shitty exposition dump. It's right. a it's an exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're talking about like the ending right now, but yeah. But like the um, my I think my favorite part of the movie that like scared the shit out of me as a kid yeah. was um, was the actual climax where um, what's her name Vera Miles is that her name Did I make that up uh, You're right Vera Miles Vera Miles the sister um, when she is in the fruit cellar and <laughs> finds the remains and begins to scream right the scariest part it's not the skeleton that's not really scary Mm -hmm. this the scariest part to me is the look of 
I don't know on Anthony Perkins' face when he comes in the cellar in the wig and that light is swinging. The lighting is Mm -hmm. so goddamn cool. Mm -hmm. It's the look. I don't know if he's excited, if he's thrilled, if he's surprised. It's It's all those things together. That look of like he's excited that he gets to kill her Mm -hmm. or that the mother gets to kill her. Like that, that look on his face. I'm just, that is one of the best acting moments maybe ever yeah like mm-hmm. I, I and it's funny because it's not like it was probably a sent like a, a few word sentence mm-hmm. in the script and anthony perkins just ran with it and was yeah. like this is what i'm gonna do, <laughs> do you and hear it's what he so says? huh did you, he says i'm norma bates oh yeah i didn't actually know i didn't know he yeah. actually says anything hmm. there but yeah okay i completely missed that mm-hmm. you know mixed in with her scream and then yeah um sam charging in at the end there mm-hmm. um to to stop him her yeah um nice. yeah i just i i that look on anthony perkins face like as a 12 year old i was like disturbed by that yeah but like in a great <laughs> oh, yeah. way i was like i want to see this movie again and mm-hmm. yeah you know um that's that's like my favorite part of the movie nice so. i think the last shot is just iconic him like right. i wouldn't hurt a fly like totally the, yeah yeah. Just a stunning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh Ben, final thoughts on Psycho? Um two quick things. Mm-hmm. Uh one, um, I know that this has probably been said to death, but I just it's again, it's just so revolutionary for this movie to have a killer that is so normal on the surface, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like horror movies before this the killer or the bad guy was always some kind of supernatural, you know, uh, possessed by the devil or, um, you know, someone who is, you know, someone that you should be scared of when Mm -hmm. you first see them. But, uh, yeah, Anthony Perkins just crushes it. Um, the other thing, uh, Matt, I know, I I believe we talked about this the last time we talked Hitchcock, but tiny, Mm -hmm we've we've still got a ton of hitchcock movies to cover on this list but mm-hmm. would you say this is your favorite hitchcock oh yeah um, have you thought about it for me i think it's north by northwest hmm. oh nice or uh, rear window mm-hmm. okay um i also love a little bit of a deeper pull uh we watched it matt seen it we watched this movie in sophomore year in high school called rope yeah um okay the filmmaking in that is incredible Mm -hmm. jimmy stewart's in it Mm -hmm. um the whole movie is is two there's like one cut in the whole movie i think so yeah it's two long takes Mm -hmm. wow Um, it's really it's really really cool movie yeah Um, so yeah those are some of the big ones i've seen but yeah i think it's kind of a toss-up between north by northwest and rear window okay Yeah. yeah Um, it is without a doubt my favorite Hitchcock movie. Nice. Um, nice. it is number eight on my top 25 movies of all time list. Cool. Um, Psycho is? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. Ben, how about you? Has it, have you, I, has your change? You already said, uh, yeah, I still vertigo. think it's vertigo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I, I don't see that changing. Nice. I haven't seen that in a while. I need to see that one. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't have offhand how many, um, Hitchcock movies are on the list, but I'm 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 always down for Hitchcock. Yeah. Hitchcock and Kurosawa <laughs> off the list. North, yeah. I know North by Northwest is one of them. Nice, yeah. nice, awesome, cool. All right, well, uh, let's go around. Uh, thumbs up. What was your letterbox rating? Do you give it a thumbs up? And do you would you put this on a great movies list? 
that you would uh, curate. And I'll get us started since it was my pick. Um, thumbs up, five stars, absolutely on great movies list because it's it is one of those just amazing, perfect movies, uh, as near perfect as you can get. Um, ben, how about you? Same, all nice. of the above. Nice. Tiny. Yeah. Uh, thumbs up. Five stars and a uh, great movie for sure. Sweet. It's psycho. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. what else do you need to say? Even people who aren't movie fans know what this movie is. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's epic. Okay. So next up in our uh, Ebert's Great Movies list, uh, part 11, we're going to be talking about uh, Ben's pick, which was 1964's Goldfinger. And I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer right here. He's the idol of every woman. Who are you? Bond. James Bond. The envy of every man. The nemesis of the treacherous Mr. Goldfinger. Thrill-making cinema entertainment. The man with the mind. A three-time winner for Fleming's secret agent 007. Who are you? My name is Pussy Galore. Isn't it customary to grant the condemned man his last request? So, Goldfinger came out in 1964. Ben, do you want to uh, read the plot summary and let us know uh, why you picked it? And while you're pulling that up, um, yeah, it stars Sean Connery and uh, people. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, uh, I do want to say the song... Uh, I, I love that, like by the end of like, it's a good, it's a good opening song and everything, but just, I, it always tickles me that like the end of like the last lyrics of the song is he loves gold. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, we need to, we need to finish the song. Um, he loves gold, I guess. So Ben, uh, Goldfinger. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Goldfinger, 1964 directed by Guy Hamilton, uh, Special Agent 007 comes face to face with the one of the most notorious villains of all time, and now he must outwit and outgun the powerful tycoon to prevent him from cashing in on a devious scheme to raid Fort Knox and obliterate the world's economy. So um, I picked this mostly because uh, at the time um, when we recorded the last part, uh, it was in anticipation of the newest James Bond movie. Uh, which is now the newest uh, Academy Award nominated yeah. James Bond movie. Uh, How no- many nominations did he get? Uh, at least two, okay. maybe three. Uh, hmm. We'll come back to that, I guess. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was purely just in anticipation of that mm-hmm. um, because I know we were all excited for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and also this is one of my favorite James Bond movies. Nice. Um yeah, me too. Nice. It's it's up there for me. This re- I watched it today, so it's fairly fresh in my mind. This one it uh I think cuz the last time I watched it was back in like 2013 and it was like I was watching all the James Bond movies. I only got halfway through them, but um I really liked this one. But like watching it this time, I, I it felt a little bit uh, a little bit lower key than I than I remembered it being. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. It's I mean it's fine. It's it's the the gadgets are fun. The the car is amazing. Um it's got those staples of James Bond that I really like, but I kind of feel like the um the kind of thrust of the main plot in the third act is a little bit like it feels like there's a lot of like stop and go with like, oh, he's just talking to Goldfinger. <laughs> like they're basically <laughs> just saying like uh Okay, yeah, we're going to do this. And then he's like, all right, well, I'll, I'll get you, but we'll see. <laughs> it just seems a little bit dry. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. How did you guys feel about Goldfinger? Um, I So I, full disclosure, I did not watch this for this episode. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, I've seen just this. <laughs> we had this on VHS when I was younger, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we used to watch this movie all the damn time. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen this movie eight or ten times. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny cause it's like, I, I think some of my favorite Bond movies are the ones that are grounded. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not, um, there's not some wackadoo shit going on where they're <laughs> like trying to, I don't know, steal space, you know, yeah. like it's, it's not a guy with fucking metal teeth who's seven feet tall. It's, it's, it's yeah. not crazy. Even though there is a dude who throws a hat who kills yeah. people by throwing his hat. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Cause like the term grounded in the bond universe mm. still comes with a lot of caveats. Very there's relative. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's a woman named pussy galore yeah. and you know, it's, it's, but it's the, the plot, you know, they're trying to, you know, trying to steal some gold. It's, yeah. it's nothing crazy. And, and that's, I, I think that's some of the best Bond stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, it has my favorite Bond villain line of all time. Oh. Uh, where Sean Connery as Bond is, has a laser slowly mm-hmm. creeping up <laughs> towards his crotch. And he says, do you expect me to talk Goldfinger? And he's like, <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. Yes. One of the best lines oh, ever. Yeah. And yeah. I love that line. And oh, even yeah. as a kid, I was like, eh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yep. Um, so I, I have this movie like holds a place in my heart. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really enjoy this. I'm, I've been a Bond fan since I was a kid and mm-hmm. this was one of my favorites and probably, probably maybe besides golden eyes, the one I've seen the oh, most. Wow. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Golden eyes, my favorite. So nice. Yeah. I didn't get that far in my bond watching in 2013, but, mm. um, <clears throat> I did like Goldfinger, but uh, I mean, Hey, it's weird. Cause like bond bond is, is such an interesting franchise, but the ones I gravitate toward, <laughs> uh, like I really love Moonraker. <laughs> um, I've never even seen that one. It's, oh. it's, it's so it's over the top, but it's a blast. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And it's something about that just like 70s sci-fi aesthetic, like 70s depiction of technology that's far advanced from the 70s is like <laughs> is interesting. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ben, how do you feel about Goldfinger? You know, I think uh what stands out to me for this one is how it really just lays the groundwork for the rest of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Like this was the third James Bond movie. And oh, yeah, it was that early. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the first one was Dr. No. And obviously they're still kind of, you know, trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. The second one is from Russia with love, which is also really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but is very much like anti James Bond in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one just really just sets the stage for the rest of the franchise. It feels like, like, you know, you have the, the ridiculous villain, you have the gadgets, you have the women, mm-hmm. you have, uh, the exotic locations, all this, all this stuff. And it just, the rest of the franchise would just dig into that, 
for better and worse throughout mm-hmm. the years. Um, yeah. But I think it just works really well. And it also helps that it has one of the best, if not the best uh, villains of the franchise in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, so I, when watching bond, like when you watch it in chronological order, of release date and everything. Like when I, when I watched it back in 2013, like I was like, Oh, the, uh, Sean Connery's my bond. There's, there's no way anyone <laughs> can ever replace Sean Connery. He's amazing. And then I eventually got to like Roger Moore and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, Roger Moore. <laughs> Roger uh, Moore was so fun. Oh my God. Yeah. A blast. So fun. Um, but yeah. And now like remembering that Goldfinger is so early in the franchise, like, like Ben, I, I for as much as I feel like uh Goldfinger is a little bit is a little bit dry and everything Dr. No is much 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 more like like okay just do something someone throw a pie um, <laughs> right um <laughs> uh but yeah so it is it is kind of a growing thing and like watching this I mean you can't deny Sean Connery is just so charming and fun. Mm-hmm. And like, it made me want to go back and watch them again, watch all of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, so, but I've got a Kurosawa thing going. So <laughs> have either of you seen all of them? Yes. You've seen oh, all wow. of them? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And actually, uh, and I wrote about this for Midwest film journal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, uh, they were going to do a series back when No Time to Die was originally supposed mm-hmm. to come out in like April 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and I signed up to write something for that. And I didn't want to just, you know, pick some random James Bond movie and write about that. Um, so I literally binged all, I think it was 24 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I think I did like four a day. And I, I was lucky... Because it was, uh, I started it when my boss was on vacation. So there was a lot of, uh, uh, if, if you're listening to this, Rick, no, I didn't. Um, but there was a lot of, uh, watching it, uh, out of the side of my eye at work. Um, and yeah, I, I watched them all just back to back to back. Uh, and it, it was kind of mind numbing, uh, in -hmm. some regards, but you really, uh, one of the things that I learned was that every James Bond in every era still has good movies. Like I think mm-hmm. uh, popular opinion is that Roger Moore is probably the weakest, um, but mm. he still has one of the best uh, films in the James Bond franchise. Um uh, and it's escaping me off the top of my head, but it was, uh, I want to say live and let die. Hmm. Um, I'll, I'll pull it up here in a few yeah, minutes. He but... did live and let die. The man with the golden gun, the spy who loved me. Yes. Spy, spy, spy who, who loved me, me is yeah. awesome. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big sucker for a view to a kill. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love that one. Nice. I don't remember which one that mm. one is off mm. the top of my head. Oh, um, but yeah, uh, I, I really, I mean, it's impossible to talk about movie history extensively without mentioning James Bond. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, you know, one of the most iconic characters mm-hmm. in movie history. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
do you know offhand how many um bond movies are on the list on the mm. ebert list yeah this is the only one. Oh, okay i think really? we covered that last time we figured that out. that's interesting what um interesting yeah i don't know um <laughs> do you guys know what bond movie kind of got you into bond like be... golden eye Called mine for me too, because uh, I, I mean I think it's common for our generation because yes, the, the franchise had been idle for like five or six years, yeah, and we were a little young when it was, mm-hmm. you know, and so that it came back with a vengeance in like ninety six or ninety seven with Goldeneye, mm-hmm. um, and that's I was blown away by that fucking movie. For it's... for me, it was more the video game before the oh, the yeah. movie. Yeah, right. I think I had played the video game before I even saw the movie. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I I would say, I mean. I never saw any of the Pierce Brosnan movies. I never, I never, I never got into Bond back then. I've oh, still okay. never seen them. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Casino Royale kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I mean, it was a day in like 2013. I just blind bought the Bond 50 Blu-ray set. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, honestly, it might, I think a mix between Goldfinger and Thunderball are the two that really got me more into James Bond. Hmm. Um, and also that, that box set is amazing. It's, it's so good. It's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. There's, there's some really good special features and everything. And um, yeah, but kind of reflecting back and going back and rewatching this, it, uh, it didn't really hold up for me. So I'm kind of curious if, I mean, it's been like nine years since I really watched a bunch of Bond movies in quick succession. So maybe, maybe, Next year, I might do something with it. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I don't know. Um, yeah, but I mean, this was fine. Um, the it has like some good iconography. Like I said, the car, the that mm-hmm. whole chase sequence. It's I really like. So I I really like Roger Moore's interactions with Q, but Sean Connery has his own like his own rhythm with Q in his movies. Um. Uh, with, uh, oh God, what is his name? Um, Desmond something. Uh, God. Okay. Um, uh, Desmond Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. Who plays Q. Mm -hmm. Um, but like this one had like, like, I mean, there's one scene, but, uh, there's just a really fun back and forth, like a a ejector seat. You're joking. I never (laughs) joke about my work, Mr. Bond. Um, (laughs) It's just, it's really good, but I, I really like Roger Moore, his his interactions with Q later in the franchise. But Goldfinger's fine. Um, it's interesting. I, I will have to go back and rewatch those early ones to kind of chart my interest in it. But I remember I really liked Thunderball specifically because it was the most, um, it was the one that, um, uh, that Austin Powers really riffed off of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I was yeah. going to ask you guys about that because mm-hmm. I feel like especially um uh Goldfinger uh mm-hmm. Austin Powers is really riffing on uh, and, well my question to you guys would be just if Austin Powers never existed would we think of the uh James Bond franchise uh better you know, I I feel oh, like man, that's a I good feel question. like Austin Powers kind of took the wind out of the mm-hmm. franchise a little bit. You know, I, I granted those those Roger Moore movies can get pretty silly. Yeah, yeah. but 
I don't I don't know if it's a degree of better or worse. Hmm. I think it's just a degree of I mean at this I think back when Austin Powers was coming was huge, mm-hmm. you know, ninety nine to two thousand four or five or whatever. Yeah. It was really, really hard to take Bond seriously. For us, at least, for our generation, again, you know, who were big Austin Powers fans, mm-hmm. um, uh, I, I do, I do think it has, it, again, maybe just for our generation, has tainted the Bond franchise forever because mm-hmm. I, I can't take Blofeld seriously. No, yeah, I right. just can't, and that's the that's a bummer because he's, you know, except for, I mean, uh, what's his name did a pretty damn good job mm-hmm. uh, lately, Christoph um, Waltz. Christoph yeah. Waltz, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to not like him, yeah. or be impressed by him, but um, like Donald Pleasance. Mm-hmm. playing Blofeld back in, uh, I can't remember which, was he? The, he was in a lot of them, I think. Yeah. He was in, was, he's in more than one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't really, it's hard to take him seriously. Any <laughs> villain stroking a cat, I mean, it's <laughs> yeah. just, it's it, it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just a, you know, um, the gener- generational thing where, you know, uh, it's, it just is what it is. It's not, I can't fault Austin Powers. I can't yeah. fault Bond either. It's just, it's just it's just a funny it's just a funny situation. Yeah. It's yeah. it's a really interesting question because because I feel like um and and yeah there were other spy spoofs I'm sure but I mean for our generation like Austin Powers was it. But mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like Bond it wasn't like up until that point Bond was taken super seriously because Bond yeah. is silly in and of itself like you said tiny it's all relative, like the, how grounded it is, is relative to the rest of the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, like even Blofeld, I think it, at the beginning of uh, maybe The Spy Who Loved Me, um, like the, the kind of pre-credits scene is him like getting uh, like Blofeld's end basically or something. And he's like in a, like he lifts him up in a helicopter and Blofeld is yelling like, uh, please don't, uh, don't like it. He drops him in like a chimney or something for some plan. I don't know what it was, but it was something <laughs> really ridiculous. Yeah. And then like, I remember him saying like, I'll buy you a delicatessen. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> but it's, um, but yeah, but like, I think that Austin powers, the power of that is that it took what everyone knew to be silly and, and over the top and everything and just made that so much more and made it it like took away the the iconography or legacy of bond and just yeah. separated it from the from the silliness and like even when watching goldfinger like like when odd job throws demonstrates the hat thing i'm like in my head i'm like who throws a hat honestly because <laughs> yep. in uh-huh. austin powers he throws the shoe um yeah um and it's just amazing because in it, I would also say as someone who came to Bond late, like after being familiar with with Austin Powers, I would say that Austin Powers makes Bond a little more enjoyable because yeah, because they don't do a lot of heavy lifting to make those. They it's not they don't stretch out a lot for their satire for their parody, um, because a lot of it's just very much present in Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the last two or three. Pierce Brosnan ones really suffered because of Austin Powers. I mean, they weren't right. very good. I can't even remember what the hell they're called, but I think they really suffered because of that. And thankfully, they 
put it on the back burner for a few years and recast, and then they came mm-hmm. out with Casino Royale, yeah. which is one of the most successful ones of the franchise and mm-hmm. re- rejuvenated the franchise. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's a fun juxtaposition, or it's, it's a fun yeah. fun comparison to look at. Um, right. Yeah. Did one of the Pierce Brosnan ones, was Halle Berry in it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. that was she played. That was the last one. Okay, uh, and called uh, "Die Another Day." Yeah, Die and her character—I might be getting this wrong, but isn't like her character named Christmas or something? And then, mm-hmm. no, okay. no, I don't remember no. her. Oh, okay. That was a different Pierce. That was Brosnan a different movie. Pierce Brosnan one. That okay. was uh, what's her name? Denise Richards. <sighs> Maybe, um, but Halle Berry's name was Jinx. Jinx. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, uh, whoever played Christmas, I remember, like, I know that the, like, final line of the movie or one of the lines of the movie is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, after the sex scene, they're like, I thought Christmas only came once a year or something like oh, that. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that happened. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So. Jeez. Fun stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. What did you guys think of the, like, the big finale of, of Goldfinger? Um, we're going to probably lay... So, well, we can be vague about it. We don't need to go into spoilers or anything. But I will say that the 007 thing uh, on the timer, if I remember correctly, I think that it was completely coincidental. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I want to say that that's the case. That it wasn't that wasn't in the script or anything. I think. I don't know. Don't don't quote me on that. But anyway, what did <laughs> you guys think of the the big finale? It's uh, it was really fun. I thought um, it's uh, another thing that I picked up on while watching all of these back to back is how the villain's plan isn't necessarily for like world domination. Yeah, it's more often just total chaos. You know, pitting one superpower against the other, and um, I think this is one of the more interesting ways to go about that. You know, um, it, uh, Fort Knox has always, at least to me, felt very kind of like mysterious or it's had this kind of air of like mysticism about it. So it, it feels very weird to, um, weird in a good way to have, uh, a plot to disrupt the world economy based on something in Fort Knox, which I've never been to. I don't know if you guys no. ever had. No. Well, I, I imagine very few people have ever been to. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I, I liked the way that it played out. I liked the, uh, the reveal at the end of how the villain is foiled. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just I love this. I just love the set of Fort Knox because mm-hmm. it's um, it's it's again it's a mysterious thing. Like you know you know it's not, it's 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 and it's sort of um, I guess kind of elementary the way it's kind of laid out because it's just like giant huge vault doors yeah. and like <laughs> ten inch steel beams. Like it's it's just it's like a it's like what a an elementary school kid would draw Fort Knox oh, to look like, yes. you know, I'm not saying it's not accurate because yeah. who the hell knows, but it's still just, it's fun in that, re- it's fun in a Bond way. Yeah. Um, I like that it's in America, like the movie, right. the, the final thing, but it also, where was it at in the beginning? Or, well, it was in Miami Beach at the beginning, but then where was that where they're driving? Uh, Switzerland, I Switzerland? think. Switzerland, yeah, that was mm. gorgeous. Yeah. Just yeah. like, oh. Totally. Yeah. It reminded me of a 
Gran, uh, Gran Turismo game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the whole movie but, was filmed in Europe too. Oh yeah, which is funny. Like surprising. it didn't actually nothing. None of it took place in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Should we wrap up Goldfinger? Sure. Uh-huh. So, well, actually, uh, just to kind of go back to the franchise overall, mm-hmm. um, this may be better as a Patreon kind of question, but mm-hmm. I was I'm curious with uh, No Time to Die, and, and Matt, I know you haven't seen it yet, but. Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily need to, but the Daniel Craig movies have been very different from mm. all other previous iterations by, you know, telling this overarching story with James yeah. Bond. So I'm curious, since he's no longer going to be James Bond anymore, if you guys want to see that happen again, give this, you know, um, uh, kind of serialized kind of thing. Right. Or would you rather it go back to more standalone Man. adventures? Tiny, what do you think? Um, I'm not necessarily. I'm I'm not. I'm not keen on them doing an overarching over five six mm-hmm. movies storyline. That doesn't have to happen. I'm fine mm-hmm. if it does. I think what's important is mm-hmm. they continue to drive character, though, because yeah. I mean, this is these. What did you do, six movies? Was this a sixth one? Six? Yes. No, five. It was five. Casino Royale, mm-hmm. Quantum of Solace, Solace, Skyfall, Skyfall, Spectre, No Time to no Die. No Time to Die, mm-hmm. five. Yeah. Um, these five movies are some of the best character development of the last mm-hmm. 60 years of Bond. I mean, yeah. it's and, and that's without question. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's that's been remarkably satisfying i think it's i think it's the best i think the character of 007 has been the best over with daniel craig yes um and i i i think that's something i've always been attracted to because one of my mm-hmm. other like top five bond movies is um honor majesty's secret service oh yeah which is the only is it still the only movie where he's ever been married he ever gets married i think so i don't think he didn't get married uh, uh daniel craig didn't get married did mm-hmm. he I don't think so. He was engaged, right, to Vesper, mm-hmm. Vesper Lind, but he didn't actually marry her. So, I mean, and that's like one of my favorite, one of my favorite movies, my favorite Bond movies, um, mm-hmm. because there's so much character. There's so much character to the character, yeah. And yes. I, I really love that. And so, I, I think if they stick to that formula, it's great. But as far as an overarching story, I think it was cool. It was a cool experiment yeah. with these five movies, and I think that experiment worked. But I don't think they need to replicate it. Okay, so. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same because I feel like that franchise filmmaking is so just prevalent now. Like right. it's so like everything's a franchise. Everything mm-hmm. is conceived as a franchise and everything. And I would love for Bond to go back to one-off Bond okay. Bond Bond. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure there there is a way for them to do that and still make him feel like a real character. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you know, before Daniel Craig Daniel Craig's movies, he really wasn't. You yeah. Know? He was just a super spy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yep. Skyfall especially mm-hmm. was just an absolutely remarkable movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's top 2 or 3 ever. In my opinion, I yeah. go back and forth between that one and Casino Royale. Yeah, mm. 
Mm-hmm. Just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to just revisit them at some point, all of them. Um, I need, need to discover that. Yeah, I need yeah. to do that too. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, um, is that it for Goldfinger? Yep. All sure. right. Shall we go ahead and discuss the uh, thumbs up if it's on our list and our mm-hmm. letterbox ratings, uh, Ben? Um, this go around, I gave it four and a half stars. Uh, yes, thumbs up. And, you know, it, it is tempting to say, no, this wouldn't go on my list and just replace it with just another James Bond movie. But I think this one would go on my list because, like I said, it lays the groundwork for the rest of the franchise so well in all of those ways. So, yeah, I, nice. I think I w- it would go on my list. Sweet. That's not to say that it would be the only James Bond movie on my list. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, right. Yeah. Nice. Tiny. Um yeah, thumbs up for me for sure. Uh I give it 4 stars. Um and it would go on my list uh, for for the same reason. I think it's it it's sort of um I don't know about course uh, course correct it's not the right word, but it uh it set the path for for the whole franchise. Mm-hmm. Um more than the first two movies. Yeah. In okay. my opinion. Um nice. yeah, so I, I it would definitely be on my my list, yeah. Nice. I respect that. Um, I give it a thumbs up and three stars on Letterboxd, and I probably wouldn't put it on a great movies list for myself. I would probably sub in one or two other Bond movies, um, probably on Her Majesty's Secret Service and nice. Thunderball. Um, Sweet. Hmm. For for me, but that's judging from watching those back in 2013. So mm-hmm. who knows? But um, I did I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. It um did the actor playing Goldfinger would if if I'm not mistaken was all of his dialogue dubbed over? Most of it. Most of it. That sounds right. Okay, because I vaguely remember a piece of trivia about that. But anyway, um, he was like trying to speak English, but he was mm-hmm. like unintelligible. So oh, okay. the, the dubbing like worked really well. Okay. Because yeah, because it was still matching. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was it was it was good. It was solid. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. right, shall we move on to our final movie of the night? Um 1979's Alien. Let's do it. All right, and I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for Alien right now. What the hell is that? Still don't understand what you're doing with this Perfect organism. The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T minus 10 seconds. Oh god, it's moving All right, and Alien came out in 1979, and Tiny chose it for uh, this um, edition of the uh, Ebert's Great Movies List series on Obsessive Viewer. Tiny, do you want to hit us with the plot summary and why you chose this movie for um, the list? Yes, uh, the plot summary for 1979's Alien. The crew of a commercial spacecraft encounter a deadly life form after investigating an unknown transmission. Um, I picked this, this is a top 20 favorite movie of mine. I I love this movie. Um, I think for me, 
this movie is so it sticks with me so much because of the imagery and i think the it's it's imagery and which is twofold um mm-hmm. First and foremost, the 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 literal images of the film, the um, w- which can be chalked up largely to I think H.R. Uh, Giger, who mm-hmm. uh, was the kind of the conceptual artist uh, for so many, so much of the the set and the the creature and um, uh, some of the other alien um, life form stuff or uh, biology, I guess is a good word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's very haunting, and if you look at H.R. Giger's other work, it's it's you can't not react to it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those yes. things you're not you're not looking at a, a landscape, <laughs> you're not looking at a lands a desert landscape. It's 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 uh, it's going to make you feel something. It's going to make you feel nauseous or aroused or who knows what. It's going to make you <laughs> combination feel. Combination of both. Combination of both. It's <laughs> it's it's uh, it's very odd. Um, and I, I'm not saying that I, like, I don't have any, I don't have any H.R. Giger art or anything, but mm. it's just, it just, it has always stuck with me since I saw this movie for the first time when I was a teenager. <laughs> um, and also I think the other side of the imagery coin is the whole, um, you know, all, all of the, the, the kind of classic, um, classic themes of the movie man versus nature and um the whole uh technological aspect with the ro- robot cyborg thing um the whole uh you know sort of um perfect organism kind of thing is is just a really fascinating theme um and also the movie is just absolutely terrifying um mm-hmm. it, it it again it brings so many things together the isolation of being in space the threat of, you know, on the other side of the wall of this spaceship is the void of space and it would kill me in a second. <laughs> um, and then you add into that a perfect a perfect organism that can hunt you down and you stand no chance of surviving against. Um, so it's, it's just so many levels of horror and science fiction all coming together in one movie. And uh, my dad is also a huge fan of this movie. He kind of uh, introduced me to it. And uh, he, you know, he talked about when this movie came out, you know, he was younger than we are now when this movie came out. And he Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, reading in the newspaper that some people were like fainting during screenings and uh, people were vomiting during screenings and walking (laughs) out. And um, it's it's, aroused. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it was a, it was a very, um, it was a very unique movie at the time. And it, uh, it um, had a huge impact uh, just on the ether, the zeitgeist at at the time. And uh, I think it's been influential. You know, there's, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, um, a lot of sci-fi and horror movies that yeah. sort of borrow elements from this movie. Um, and I also love the simplicity of it. Um, mm-hmm. There's one creature, one setting, mm-hmm. um, one crew, and it's just, you know, again, kind of the, it's, it's a very, very simplistic, but, um, but uh, it's own movie at the same time. So. Yeah. And it, it kind of sort of defies, space sci-fi to an extent especially of the era because this is two years after star wars mm-hmm. and like we have like blue collar like working people like mm-hmm. truckers in space truckers in space mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Yep. um and like a big part of it is like uh you know the um 
Parker and what's his name, uh, like talking about their bonus and getting a full share and everything. And yeah. then it comes to light that the company is just kind of, you know, they're expendable. Mm. And it's just like that level, like that feels just so different from like what you would see in another sci-fi space movie. It's mm. like, it's like the darker kind of recesses of like what, you know, the future would hold in like futurism and everything. Um, and that's something I just, I just really liked. And, and to your point, Tony, yes, the, it's one creature, but like the way that this movie kind of melds together, like, again, I'm going to say this again, like a slasher kind of movie with a creature feature with like, like in like a confined space, like almost home invasion type of movie thing. Um, and just puts it all together into just this very, very, um, confined sci-fi horror movie and the tension is so great the kind of industrial level of the industrial kind of aesthetic of the ship is just like it adds so much to the atmosphere and everything of in the mood and the tension it's it is it is a it is it is an incredible like uh incredibly tense and and well constructed horror movie uh sci-fi horror movie yeah Ben, what's your history with Alien? So I uh, just watched this for the first time uh, in preparation for this episode, Mm -hmm. which Ah. I think that was uh, the first time I think was sometime in October of last year. Probably, yeah. Wow. Um, And I I guess we should clarify for the listeners, we all watched the The theatrical theatrical cut, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I this this was my first experience with it and yes, I I didn't really know anything about it going into it um other than this is the one that had the tagline like only in in space no one can hear you scream, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, yeah that w- that was pretty much the extent of it. Plus um I will say I the only ones that I had seen before this was Prometheus. Hmm randomly because i i don't know if i knew at the time uh that it was connected to the alien franchise i just i don't know it looked interesting at the time if i remember right Mm -hmm. um and i saw alien versus predator um so Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was that was really the extent of my experience with the franchise um and yeah i i really liked it um the first time that i watched it it was uh for all the reasons that you guys said it just felt like uh the birth of a new genre of mm. space horror uh and this was this the kind of the birth of that genre right um or was there no well i'm sure I, there might have been like independent yeah, kind of i think well i i think that there's a lot of like b movies from like the 50s mm. and 60s um that were like space kind of like uh space creature features basically right but, but were they more horror focused i think so oh okay yeah hmm. um but i think that this was maybe probably one of the first or one of the most prominent like um prominent movies basically just took okay. it mainstream yeah right i think yeah okay yeah and yeah the uh the the design of the creatures the uh, the scares, they were all really great 
uh even coming from a horror skeptic like myself mm-hmm. um yeah just and yeah to to your point matt about uh this perspective of space like what if being in space actually kind of sucked yeah uh, <laughs> that that was really interesting to me as well mm-hmm. um yeah yeah and i like this movie while i was watching it i was just sitting there thinking like this this is on my top 25, right? Like this has to be on my top 25. Um, it's not, it's, it's like, I'm still working on like a top 50, but it's probably like in the low thirties. Okay. Um, but what's interesting is that I have in my top 25 sunshine, Danny Boyle's sunshine, Mm -hmm. which borrows just heavily from this movie. Um, like it is, it is very much like wall to wall homage to alien, um, and other space movies. But, um, but yeah, just the the tone and atmosphere of this movie is what what gets me, and the kind of the the way that the movie demonstrates like that that it sucks to be in space kind of feel, but also the way that I, it's something that feel it feels like really procedural to an extent, or like methodical. The way that they're like, okay, we have this problem on the ship. We need to isolate the problem. We need to get rid of the problem. And it's almost like this distance to it, um, like a distance from humanity to an extent. But it's just like, I don't know, like they're putting together, like they're formulating the idea of like, okay, we need to trap the alien and get rid of it. Like just the kind of methodology of that's really satisfying to me um, in a kind of abstract sense. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think um, we talked. Ben mentioned that we all saw the theatrical. Mm-hmm. Um, since this was your first time, Ben, I'm guessing you've never seen the director's cut. Have you ever seen the director's cut? Maybe? I have, but it's been since like 2013. Okay. I, I feel like actually, I think the first time that I watched it might have been the director's cut. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I much prefer it. I think mm-hmm. it's um it adds a lot to the movie. It um, has the harvesting scene the cocooning the cocooning yeah yeah, of uh henry dean stanton Mm -hmm. and uh Mm -hmm. tom scarrett yeah and then that just adds another level of it's really disturbing yeah how (laughs) it's yeah it's using them as a host and cocooning Mm -hmm. or you know saving them for later like a spider would yeah um and that's i I can't believe that wasn't in the theatrical because it's so effective yeah and and just especially when um i think ripley i think she like stumbles upon um tom scarrett's character Mm -hmm. um and he i think he i can't remember it's been too long since i've seen i think he tells Mm -hmm. her to kill him i think so and it's just like yeah dear god um yeah i yes now that i think about it i think i did watch the director's cut because i was waiting for that scene to happen in the theatrical cut and it didn't come right so yeah it's it's kind of funny though because if i remember right like both of those cuts have almost the same runtime. Something yeah, like that. About, yeah. yeah. It's something like that. Um, yeah. I will say that I don't know I don't know if this full Blu-ray set is still available. I was looking on Amazon, but um it may have been like repackaged in a smaller set, but the um alien like 
quadrilogy mm-hmm. um, Blu-ray set is like one of the best Blu-ray sets I've ever. It's very seen. good. It's mm. it's incredible. Yeah. Um, back in like 2013, I dove deep into it, or 2014, I think, and and did a full review on the website for it. But nice. Um, it's I mean, it's just amazing. Like, yeah, it's well, so many good special features. Well, that leads me to my question: Which one would you would you guys say this is the best of the franchise? I would. Yeah, yeah, without question. Yeah. A lot of people lean towards aliens. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Jim Cameron one, which is a good one and mm-hmm. it's it's good, but I I again I love the simplicity of this one. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a big fan of when when it comes to especially heavy genre movies like mm-hmm. like horror movies, less is more. Yeah. <laughs> right. Less is more. Yes. And I think the creature has like eight minutes of screen time yeah. in this movie and it is so goddamn effective. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in Jim Cameron's movie, which is a good movie, yeah. I think there's like six creatures. So it's insane. And it's which is fine. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it takes away some of the allure mm-hmm. and the, the horror of it. But then again, like Aliens is like a kind of flipping everything on its head dude. yeah it's like it's it's almost like not even like a horror movie it's it's a straight up like military right. action movie right. yes which is interesting yeah um yeah i've seen a lot of love for alien 3 and i don't understand that at all. <laughs> i think that's just contrarian yeah i honestly think so thought. too yeah yeah it's not a good movie no yeah. no it's not um ben have you so uh, aside from prometheus have you seen any of the other alien movies I saw Aliens. Okay. Um, oh, you already covered this, didn't you? Sorry. No, I don't I think, think I did. Okay. Well, you said AVP. Right. Yeah. That Before I watched Alien for the first time, yes, that mm-hmm. was all that I had seen. So I've yeah. seen Alien, Aliens, and Prometheus, mm-hmm. and I think that's it. Mm-hmm. I was fully planning on watching all of them, mm-hmm. but just never got around to it. Yeah. Um. This... Uh, kind of uh tangent but did either of you guys end up watching the alien on stage documentary from heartland last I year i completely forgot about that oh, <sighs> i really wish i would have i didn't get around to it it's yeah. really great yeah uh, it looks so good uh i don't know if or where it's available yeah. uh right now but it, if anyone is able to find it i would definitely mm-hmm. recommend it basically this very small community theater troupe in England um, stages a uh, very uh, low budget alien mm-hmm. uh, recreation on stage, and they end up actually going to like the West End and playing at this big theater. Oh wow! And it's like they they do all the props themselves, but they basically do a remake of Alien as faithfully as they can, That's and it's awesome. <laughs> it's really great. That's huh. crazy. Highly recommend it. Nice. Um, it's really interesting too that we, like, we did Psycho and now Alien, and both have like iconic, like, death scenes about midway through the movie. <laughs> um, the chestburster scene, mm-hmm. um, just absolute, like, masterful, absolute, <laughs> like, absolutely perfect. In my opinion, it's almost as iconic as the shower scene. I agree. I mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think anything could ever top the shower scene, but it's mm. it's up there for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the filmmaker who did the documentary 7852 about the shower scene also did a documentary about Alien, which hmm. I didn't watch, but it's called um, Memory, the Origin of Alien, I think. Um, I've heard mixed 
things about it. And honestly, that Blu-ray set is packed so much with special features and like feature length documentaries about it. I don't think that there is, I don't think there's enough uncovered stuff about alien that I don't already, I haven't already seen. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, but that's interesting if you want to check that out. Yeah. I'm actually, I'm kind of a big fan and a defender of this whole franchise. Cause mm-hmm. I think, I think the first two movies are, are easily defendable. Um, yeah. but then from, it kind of goes off the rails from mm-hmm. there. Um, the third movie is just not good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, alien resurrection requires an immense amount of disbelief suspension. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I'm I, somewhat I, of a defender. Me too. I, yeah. I think again, th- th- story wise and thematically, mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty cool movie, Yeah, but it's got, it's got quite a few issues with it. Um, my main, surprise with alien resurrection which i haven't seen since you know 2014 Mm -hmm. but my big surprise with it is that it was at least partially written by joss whedon yes and it it feels like the the prototype excuse me i'm getting choked up um (laughs) the prototype for firefly like yeah totally it it has that energy too right right um it also has uh one of several 90s uh leland orser freak out uh scenes (laughs) right (laughs) like Hmm. Late nineties, every like, yeah. I want to see a supercut of like the four or five times that he's like <laughs> freaking out on on screen. Every other movie was was yeah. him going nuts. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, and then um, I think um, the two most recent uh, Prometheus and Alien Covenant. I think yeah. again, it sticks to the themes well, and yeah. it's it has its issues, but they're fun. Um, and I I am a fierce defender of Alien versus Predator. Interesting. <laughs> I think that is a good movie. Nice. Like like seriously, I think that's a really cool concept for a movie um the sequel i think it was called requiem requiem was Mm -hmm. unwatchable okay um (laughs) but yeah i'm just a fan of the franchise i i think it's i think it's really fun i don't know that they need to continue it yeah um i don't know if there's anything in the in the works but it's really scott has wanted to make a third prequel okay like he had an idea for it but i don't know if he's i don't know if it'll it'll ever happen yeah i i and you know i i wouldn't blame him i again i'm not i'm not chomping at the bit to see another alien movie yeah (laughs) i'd be cool if they shelf it for a while and maybe someone else takes it over Mm -hmm. At some point, yeah. but uh, it doesn't need to happen. Yeah, by, by any I stretch. Agree. So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Alien? I don't think so. There's no. a. There's a real quick. There's a cool. I should have looked it up. Hmm. There's a cool documentary on H.R. Giger. Oh yeah. Um. It came out probably four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I I should have looked it up. Um. It's really interesting. Let me find. <laughs> you uh. You can't, and Matt, you may, may be the same way, but you can't mention H.R. Giger to me and uh, not think of uh, Matt Gorley. Matt Gorley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On uh, several podcasts, he yes. does a character of H.R. Giger. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is it... Um, hang on. I'm trying Is to find it. Dark Star H.R. Giger's well? No. Um, um, I don't know. Yeah. Um. Anyways, just yeah. Google it. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find it on IMDb. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways, um, it's interesting. If if you're interested in his art, it's it's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So shall we go around the horn and uh, do ratings, thumbs up, and whether or not it would be on our own individual great movies lists? Sure. All right, Tiny. Since this was your pick, do you want to uh, go for it? Yes. Um. Obviously, thumbs up from me, mm-hmm. uh, four and a half stars. 
And uh, yeah, definitely on my greatest movies list. Nice. Yeah. Ben, how about you? Um, I yes, uh, thumbs up. I gave it four stars both times, and I think I would not put it on my great movies list. Interesting. Um, not because I didn't like it, not because I uh, don't want to rewatch it again, but I think, uh, and this was probably totally coincidental, but I actually happened to watch this in very close proximity to what I would replace it with, oh. which is John Carpenter's The the Thing. Oh, yeah. Which deals a lot with similar kind of things, you know, mm-hmm. this confined horror kind of thing yeah. and sci-fi. Um, but I think that one left a more lasting impression on me. So nice. that's the what thing. I would replace it with. John Carpenter's The Thing is a top five for me. Mm-hmm. That is one of my favorite movies of, ever, ever, of all time. Yeah. I love nice. that movie, yeah. I need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in several years. Yeah. Um, that's a really good pick to replace it, too. That's a great pick. Yeah. yeah. I, love, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Is is the thing on uh, Ebert's list? It is not. No, uh, nor are any other John Carpenter movies. Oh, Son wow. bitch. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Um, all right. Well, I give it a thumbs up. Four and a half stars. Definitely on my great movies list. Um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say, the first time I ever saw it, I borrowed your blu-ray of it i think tiny mm. back in i want to say 2010 okay and i mm. remember specifically that it was carb day in mm. speedway <laughs> <laughs> nice and uh i'm an agoraphobic uh person so i just <laughs> watched alien and i was like this is one of my favorite movies now nice so yeah cool yeah. um all right well that is part 11 of the ebert's great movies list review to, to kind of um Give an overview. Uh, all, th- all, all three of us gave all three thumbs ups for all. Give all three movies thumbs up, and uh, with the exception of me with Goldfinger, and and Ben with Alien, uh, we would all put these movies on the on our lists. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, to kind of round us out, let's go ahead and do our picks for next time, which hopefully we'll get to the 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 next installment sooner. Um, ideally I would like, uh, <clears throat> I would like to do it before I move. Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll see how that all pans out, but, um, how shall we do it? Do we have like an order that we go into? I don't think so. I don't no. think we do. Okay. Well, uh, for funsies, let's just do chronological order from, from the movies. So I'll, from the movies from this one. So, uh, we'll go, <laughs> <laughs> Dang. we'll go in order. Um, from, uh, so I'll go first and then, and then Ben and then tiny. Okay. Um, so my pick for the next, uh, Ebert's great movies list, uh, episode is 1974's The Conversation, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. Um, I'll read the plot summary just real quick. Surveillance expert Harry Call is hired by a mysterious client's brusque aide to tail a young couple. Tracking the pair through San Francisco's Union Square, Call and his associates and his associate Stan managed to record a cryptic conversation between them. Tormented by memories of a previous case that ended badly, Call becomes obsessed with the resulting tape, trying to determine if the couple are in danger. And the reason that I picked this, I have never seen it. 
But the reason I picked it is that it is currently playing at the Can Can Theater here in Indianapolis. Um, I'm seeing it tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, the February 9th at 5 p.m. So uh, if you guys uh, listen to this and want to go see it, uh, I don't know if I'll have this up in time. But anyway, um, <laughs> it is playing at the Can Can. It is also uh, streaming, I think, on Hulu. Um, cool. But yeah, but it's The Conversation with Gene Hackman. Uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, which is interesting because um, next t- two weeks from Thursday, I will be seeing uh, the Godfather and Dolby mm. at AMC because uh, they're doing like the what, 50th anniversary kind of thing. Oh, nice. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so I'm very excited about that. But so, yeah, two Francis, two Fr- Frankie Ford Coppola <laughs> movies. But the conversation is my pick for next time. And uh, yeah, Ben, do you want to hit this with yours? Yeah, I've also never seen that one, so I'm excited. Nice. Um, All right, so I had a couple that I was going back and forth on between uh, for this one, Um, but I think what I'm actually going to pick is one of my favorite movies uh, of all time from my favorite director of all time, and that is My Neighbor Totoro. Nice. From Hayao Miyazaki, 1988. Plot description. Two sisters move to the country with their father in order to be closer to their hospitalized mother and discover the surrounding trees are inhabited by Totoros, magical spirits of the forest. When the youngest runs away from home, the older sister seeks help from the spirits to find her. Sweet. And of course, it's streaming on HBO Max. Correct. Along with all of Studio Ghibli stuff, basically. Sweet. Nice. Awesome. Cool. Um, my choice, uh, I, I made this completely on a whim. <laughs> I've never seen it before. And okay. so that I wanted to pick something I'd never seen. Uh, 1955's Rebel Without a Cause. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. I don't think I've ever actually seen um, any... Uh, James Dean? James Dean movies before. Yeah. I, I don't think I have. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's the only one I've seen. Okay. I've never seen it either. It's from Indiana. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I believe I was supposed to see it in a film class at USI, and then I just didn't go to that class. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. So next time on the Ebert's Great Movies List review series section thing, uh, Ebert's Great Movies <laughs> List Part 12, we are going to cover... Um, what year did... Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, we're going to cover Rebel Without a Cause, My Neighbor Totoro, and The Conversation. Uh, so, yeah, so look forward to that. And, and uh, Rebel Without a Cause is streaming. Oh, HBO yes. Max. HBO Max. Yeah. Nice, nice. Awesome. Um, awesome. Well, we you guys have your assignments. And let us know what you thought about these movies. And, Ben, once again, why don't you go ahead and plug themoviestate.com and uh, tell us uh, some of the stuff that you have going up. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, I'll have, uh, posted an interview with a, uh, documentary filmmaker about, uh, extreme skiing called, uh, La List. Um, really interesting documentary. It'll be out on VOD, I believe February 16th. Um, I'll have a review of the new Shonda Rhimes Netflix limited series called inventing anna um hopefully soon i'll also be doing a review of the kanye west documentary series on netflix um uh and then some some kind of thing about some guy named akira kurosawa yeah it's gonna be fun 
I'm excited um, about that. That'll come up uh, around the end of the month. Yep. And then we'll keep chugging along with that for the next couple months. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, next time on the podcast, uh, I don't know what I'm, I don't know, uh, figure it out. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I guess that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, well, you still can in this apartment. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, all right. Well, uh, once again, check out Patreon. I've been doing a lot of stuff on Patreon, uh, immediate movie reviews. Um, I'm probably going to have an immediate like car review of the conversation. Um, I'm also probably going to post a, a thing for uh, Death on the Nile um, on there too. And then I have it. I have a ticket for that Blacklight movie <laughs> um, on Thursday. Blacklight. Yeah, no idea. Uh, Liam huh. Neeson, I guess. Oh, oh shit! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So why? We'll <laughs> I uh, just uh, to be honest, it's just to get credit for uh, Fandango. Um, <laughs> nice. Because I think I mentioned on another po- on another episode. Uh, if you, I have a list through AMC. If you mm-hmm. reserve your ticket through Fandango, every four tickets you get $5, a $5 credit for Voodoo. Yep. Nice. Um, so yeah, so I bought Ready or Not for like two or three bucks with that credit. Hmm. Um, yeah, so on Voodoo. Cool. Yep. So anyway, uh, yeah, on Patreon, I have a bunch of stuff on there. Patreon.com slash Obsessive Viewer. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm glad people support us there. So <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play this out. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. So, so like, I kind of feel like maybe the whole scene with, like, Denise Richards and the detective is supposed to be, like, this level of uh, self-awareness or homage, or not, not homage, but, like, if it's supposed to be the scene where you're hinting at um you're hinting at titillation you're hinting at eroticism but then denying it like like the character uh, uh the kid the nerdy kid was denied jimmy i think is his name uh was denied you know the dances and everything so i wonder if that's supposed uh, again that's okay for instance <laughs> like sure that is possible but again i think i'm giving giving jamie blanks and the crew of this movie and the producers and everything way too much credit because this podcast was edited and produced by matt hurt and presented by obsessiveviewer.com you can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com/podcasts For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.